1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: Thank you for listening to the late breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Ead, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking, reviewing today, qualifying for the Singapore Grand Prix with, of course, Max Ver- Hang on, what? Oh, that's I- good banter, that. <laughs> I can see there's a one next to Max Verstappen's name. The problem is there's two of them. That doesn't work.
1: Oh. I mean, honestly, qualifying... I will saying it to the boys before we get on, might be the best it's ever been this year. And Singapore has the world, who's going to be another time world champion. He's not even in the top 10. And I don't even know what the biggest talking point is, but I freaking love qualifying. It just never lets you down. It's so good.
0: I'll tell you what, they should keep that format.
1: Oh, that you whole know, chestnut aye. is back again.
0: Don't mess with that format. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing Scott wrong with it.
2: this. It's got legs. I like it. Or wheels.
1: Um,
0: Or wheels. Unlike Lance. unlike Lance Stroll.
2: Oh. Oh. Yeah, we'll get into that. There's plenty that we will get into. Um, Liam Lawson making it into Q3 where the two Red Bulls don't. That's a lot of banter. We'll be discussing that a little bit later on. Um, Of course, um, we saw all of the good teams make it through to Q3, such as Haas getting both cars in. So, you know, we'll mention that too. Um, let's start with the double knockout of Red Bull in Q2. We knew throughout practice sessions that they were struggling. They weren't leading any any practice sessions at all. Verstappen has nonstop been complaining about upshifts all weekend long, and come qualifying. They weren't looking great, although I'm not quite sure they were looking out in Q2 bad. Um, But Max Verstappen deciding to go as as deep as one possibly can into the first few corners (laughs) of his second lap in Q2. Um, Not making it through at the expense of Liam Lawson and Sergio Perez also knocked out. Sam, your initial reaction to that?
1: Shock, or. I was just confused because it was very weird seeing a timing screen without a single Red Bull in it. First time as I say continually mentioned since the 2018 Russian Grand Prix, which is a huge statistic in itself. The fact that we are five years on from that and this is the first time that both Red Bulls have not been in Q3 is an astounding statistic. And yeah, the car goes at like a handful, but I think the biggest shock of this is even when the Red Bull hasn't been the fastest car or seemingly the fastest car in practice sessions throughout. Max Verstappen especially, uh, Sergio Perez not so much, has regularly been able to pull the car well above where it probably should be sitting. And it's become very much the expected. It's become the status quo. How many times have we gone, oh, the Red Bull looks a bit of a handful, or, oh, Red Bull in practice are fifth and seventh, and then Verstappen pops in at least a, th- a third place, if not sometimes pole. Um, and I think they came up with a statistic that Verstappen has picked up pole position eight times this season when he hasn't been the fastest in a practice session. And that then made it even clearer that even when he is not running super quick through the Friday practice programs and the Saturday morning sessions, that he's still got it. He can still knock out the times. We know that Verstappen thrives under these pressurized situations. He's so calm, so level-headed. So this is a huge shock. The biggest blow, of course, to Red Bull is that the Siska team were the ones that knocked him out. Um I think On the flip side of the garage, Sergio Perez, probably a bit more disappointing himself, the fact that he didn't even get the full lapping and made the mistakes so early on. And this really characterizes the difference between Verstappen and Perez. Verstappen, I think, was trying as hard as he could, and the car just wasn't really as tuning as they wanted it to be. And after Verstappen's performances this year, I'm not going to be too harsh on him. Perez, on the other hand, he now has a bit of a reputation for not being able to get into Q3, and it was... You know, this is a pure metaphor for his entire season that he gets one corner ring, the car flips over in terms of spinning all the way around, and he can't make it around the rest of the lap to even give it a go. Bit disappointing. So, yeah, they start 11th and, what, 13th, I think it is at the moment, and we've got grid penalties to potentially be applied. Max Verstappen has got a slam dunk blocking penalty on again. Um I believe it was the Sisker team, Yuki Sangoda. So, you know, it's been a real bad day for Red Bull, and it's been a you know a surprisingly good day for the newly upgrading Alpha Towering. Harry,
2: we mentioned on the preview episode that Singapore can throw up these surprise results, and sometimes it doesn't follow what we see in previous races. I guess Red Bull being knocked out in Q two is evidence of that.
0: Yeah, d- didn't see this one coming. I, as you said earlier, they didn't look great in practice, but I didn't think it was quite being knocked out in Q two uh, bad. The going to put my Tim Four hat on here for a second. Oh God. New-
2: only five minutes in, man. You,
0: new technical directive came in this weekend and suddenly the Red Bull's a pile of garbage. I'm only joking, obviously, but it, food for thought there, people. Food for thought. Um,
1: Finally, but-
2: the cheating has come to an end.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, stop oh, it.
1: I, I'm not claiming any part of
0: that. <laughs> Hashtag um. cost cap and, um any- <laughs> Anyway, uh, that Red Bull was looks like a pile of garbage to drive all through Quali. I mean, as we said, not great in practice, but it just was, as you said, Ben, through turn three, Verstappen was, was, you know, not far off his own little spin. And obviously Perez uh, did it properly and spun on his own. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I was thinking this, it's, we had this in the Mercedes dominant era where we turned up to Singapore and suddenly they weren't very good.
2: Like what? At the expense of Red Bull, a
0: lot of yeah. the time. Yeah, 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 and even and even Ferrari because you've like twenty fifteen yeah. uh, Vettel one here. So a weird one that we the dominant car turns up and apparently can't do Singapore anymore. Um, but it, I guess it's just the the characteristic of the track um, or something or something like that. I d- I don't know, but it's you know. It was something bad was going to happen to Red Bull at some point this season, or I guess Verstappen, uh, because perez has been out a few times. Um, you know, they've, they've done well to make it this far.
1: Why was <laughs> this the only not... weekend that I didn't say Verstappen wouldn't win the race? Why? Why? I'm he's, so he's annoyed still, at myself.
0: He's, he's still going to win it. I don't care. Yeah. He's still going to win. He's going to ruin my day tomorrow. It's the hope that gets you.
2: That's all right. And I don't know how much of a chance Ferrari have of scoring four points from first and third on the grid. So That's true. If, if it's anyone for can do it, Ferrari yeah. can do
1: it. They won't let me down. They will bring it home. No. Three points in total. Hey, then, hey, if they
2: both retire, we're both right on our bold prediction. So I'm, I'm happy to play by that. Um, back to Red Bull for a moment. Yeah, I was surprised that the Q2 elimination happened. I, I'm not surprised that they struggled based on the practice pace, but I think... You know, if Verstappen had made it through to Q3, given what he's been able to do with that car, even if it hasn't been optimal in qualifying, um, this should speak volumes. I don't know if more than fifth place would have been achievable by Verstappen in Q3, just, just based on how poor that car looked. I don't think the Ferraris were touchable and even, you know, Russell in P2, Norris in P4. I don't know whether Verstappen and that horrid car this weekend would have got anywhere near that or, or would have been able to beat that. Um, certainly, it's always a surprise when um, something like this happens. But, you know, it, 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 it's, not, it's not wildly out of form based on what we saw on Friday and Saturday morning. You know, we saw, as an example, this isn't the first time Max Verstappen's been knocked out in Q1 uh, or Q2 this season. He didn't make it into Q3 at Saudi Arabia, the you know, second race of the year. But in that instance it was a freak incident and it wasn't due to a lack of pace here yes he didn't get a clean lap in but at the same time it's not as if he should have been fighting for pole or he should have been claiming second place he was really struggling either way so uh, a lot of surprise singapore is not an easy track to make overtakes on he has to start lower down than what he did last year where he only made up one position in the race that win streak is very much in danger here. Very much. It's a, it's a long way from earlier in the season where uh, Miami, as an example, Verstappen started towards the back end of the top 10. You still felt as if the win was possible. Here, I don't know. That is going to be a tall order, even for how good Red Bull have been this season. What about Ferrari, though? Back-to-back polls for Carlos Sainz, Sam?
1: Don't even talk to me about Ferrari. I'm genuinely... I've got the grunt with him. I'm, I'm, I'm in a mood. Um, Carlos Sainz, I don't know what he's had for breakfast. Maybe he ate Charles Leclerc. No, didn't do that. Um, because nope. he, he is a, a whole new man in the last kind of two weeks of Formula One racing. The fact that he's able to, he picked up one pole position in his entire career. He so rarely outqualifies Charles Leclerc. And yet, back to back, and not only has he outqualified Leclerc here again, there's a car between them, and he's comfortably had the gap on Charles Leclerc for the entire weekend. Uh, there was what, two tenths, three tenths between them again. Here come the qual- end of qualifying three. He looks so calm. Even when they told him over the radio, we got it, it's ours. He was like, ha, two in a row. He just, it's like someone said to him, don't worry about it, baby. You be calm. You just take it easy. And he's this pressure seems to have weirdly lifted from him. And he's driving like I've literally not seen. The last time I saw Carlos Sainz drive this well, I think was maybe his first season at McLaren, maybe his first or second season at McLaren, when he felt like he really gelled with what the car was giving him. And it's, it's a return to form because he's not been this good for a long time. If you can carry this through to the end of the season, Ferrari got a real package on their hands.
2: To your point as well, it's, it's not out of character for what he was doing the rest of this weekend. And it was the same story at Monza as well in that it's not as if Charles Leclerc turned up to the second lap of Q3 and couldn't put it all together. There was that consistent gap all the way throughout qualifying, and in fact, it was closer at the end of Q3 than it had been at any point earlier in the session. I don't think Charles Leclerc. Uh, sorry, I don't think Carlos Sainz put together an optimal lap at the end. He, he put together a session best Q uh, sector one. He put together a purple sector three, but that middle sector, he went faster on his first run. It was if yellow he put wasn't together. It? Yeah, yeah. If he put together his three best sectors. I think there's there's a much more comfortable gap than the seven hundredths or whatever ended up being than what it actually was. So um that really should speak volumes to how quick Carlos Sainz has been. What was your takeaway, Harry, on that pace from Signs?
0: Yeah, he he looked just in control. Whereas I watched many, many on board this weekend so far from behind a cushion because it's been a bit frightening to watch half of the field drive around here um a lot of them were absolutely ragging their cars and stroll be an example even george russell
2: maybe he may be a bit nervous george him. russell how he is alive i do
1: not know <laughs> has no fear Mangus loves walls esteban and- ocon is a wall uh, he <laughs> is a wall now one centimeter super close
0: yeah, um, yeah. Russell particularly was pretty. Fra- they did it for people who watch Sky. They did a comparison with uh, George Adlando beforehand of the laps on Friday, and even then on Friday, George was just like, "Yeah, I'm next to the ball the entire time. Like, no, no room for error. There, just
1: going to ride that as wall. nails is George <laughs> Russell." Um, but yeah,
0: that's my point. Signs is probably the only one out there who looks like it, it was just. Smooth, he was the smooth operator today. Um, it just looked under control, and his sector three through that final chicane, no one's touching him. He I was know. mega. Don't know how he's done that, but he was absolutely flying through there. So, yeah, he's on a, a good run of form. Is uh, is Carlos? Um, I, th- I hope he wins tomorrow because I feel like he d- given his latest run, I think he he he's he deserves it. Um, and he's taken a lot of flack and probably rightly deserved, but, uh, but at the moment he's, he's flying along. And as you said, it wasn't a mistake. I know Charles came on the radio and said he, he boosted it up or something, but I don't think it was. I think that was probably the maximum Leclerc had and, and science was just quicker. So yeah. Did you not think it was stuff. well
1: savage when Leclerc came over the radio and went, oh, I've beeped that up. And his engineer just went, yeah. And it's just like, all right. We, we are, cheers. We are checking. We know. Um, I do wonder how good Ferrari would have been had the old Sector 3 being put back on the track. Because obviously, essentially, the rest of the track is just straight lines at that point. You've got like maybe four corners now between the end of Sector 2 and the start-finish line. Uh, a lot of them are very quick corners as well now. So I do wonder if you put back in the old Sector 3 that goes under the grandstand, if we see a different result. But hey, you've got to work with what you got. got. Um, Ferrari have made me look like a very silly, stupid... Not hard to do, but I do look like right. a very silly, stupid man. There's so still far. time. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. There's still bigger, time. Bigger time.
2: Um, from best to not so much the best, Um, we're recording this about 30 minutes later than we were expecting to because there was quite a large delay between Q1 and Q2. Reason being, Lance Stroll crashed at the final corner as he was looking to improve and get out of Q1. Uh, he was involved in a potential impeding incident with Logan Sargent earlier in the session. That meant that in his final run, he needed to improve by quite a lot in order to make it through to the top 15. Wasn't able to do so, largely owing to the fact that he crashed at the final corner. Sam, I mean, we've, we've already spoken about Lance Stroll's struggles. We saw again Fernando Alonso make it through to Q3 and start in a reasonably good position. Um, it's going to be a struggle to, it's going to be a struggle to turn around the car tomorrow, let alone score points.
1: I tell you what, I feel so sorry for his team of engineers. The fact that obviously the Singapore Grand Prix is a night race. So they are now going to have to literally work through the night, uh, until the early hours of the morning to make sure he's even got a drivable car for the race is going to be horrible. They're going to be exhausted. Um, Lance Stroll, we we talk about this in our midweek preview of any race, we have our under pressure segment and Lance Stroll massively looks like a driver who is under pressure, which is baffling for a man that probably out of the entire grid, maybe apart from Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, cannot be less under pressure with losing his seat. Um, and yet he does. He looks like he's squirming and he's desperate for any kind of result. And again, sorry to those who don't watch it, but though on Sky, for Sky viewers, you'll have seen, the multiple previews of his lap before he crashed and the way that he tried to desperately overtake all of the traffic as fast as he could that was waiting at the final corner. And that was dangerous. It was scruffy. Um, he was going full speed past cars that were barely doing walking pace. Not good. Going to the final corner, you see him fiddling with the steering wheel, wheel, not roll, steering wheel. And he finally turns on the, um, the setting to get the car into what is qualifying mode. Um, again, that must be quite, panic inducing you're not exactly going to be calm and ready to go if you're halfway around the last corner and only then is the car ready. And then through the lap, he is juggling that steering wheel. He is almost like he's trying to cut a bit of you know wood with a, 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 a saw with handles on both sides. He was really trying to throw that thing around, and it all came undone in the final corner, which is painful that he went through all of that trouble to then throw it in the wall on the final corner. But this. Reeks of a man that is not confident, is not comfortable, and is not delivering the results that I think he knows the team needs. And I wouldn't be shocked if if Papa Stroll has maybe given his son a call and gone, look, obviously nothing you're not going anywhere, but this team can do so much more. Along so again in Q3, the only person on the entire grid to be there in every single Grand Prix. You're not even getting close to regularly appearing in Q3. You've had more Q2 and Q1 eliminations than you've featured in Q3 so far this season. And the fact that your teammate is regularly fifth and above, you know, it's a bad result for a long, if he's between seventh and ninth, you've got to step step up and start helping the team. Otherwise, all this investment and time and management is for nothing. And it was proven here again. He just needs to settle down and be calm and deliver a result. And madly enough, usually Lance Stroll has been quite famous for pulling out the odd good qualifying performance you remember the likes of Baku all those years ago turkey in the rain he's had some brilliant moments in qualifying this was appalling it's he's if he was any other driver in the other team I'd be shocked if he had a seat next season
2: Harry your, your thoughts on the crash that saw the end of q1 with the red flag um obviously
0: firstly glad Lance is okay because it was a nasty old shunt I mean, he, he did it properly, didn't he?
2: Massive make? on the neck, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, the, the side to side movement was quite unusual to see. But um, mm. I was glad to see it's okay. The the crash is up. He again, we spoke about drivers that look like they're on the on the edge. He clearly went over the edge or uh, <laughs> of adhesion. Um, but as you say, Sam, he it was fr- his driving style. It, it looks frantic at the best of times. Does Lance always has been? Always has been. Yeah, exactly. Um, but here it just looked like he would clearly just couldn't get any time out of that car, but it was just overdriving it. You saw in the lead up to the crash, he oversteered out of the like penultimate chicane and the amount of understeer he seemed to have in that car was, they pointed this out as, as guy as well. He was like a half lock going through that final turn, which was, which was crazy. So I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, he just just was overdriving that car, it clearly wasn't working for him. But I don't know what the issue is because it, I don't think Aston Martin are quite far, uh, far up as they'd maybe hoped this weekend. But clearly, it's a Q3 car, as Alonso's proved. Um, and even if he hadn't crashed, I'm not sure Lance was even getting out of Q1. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm not sure, not sure what, what, what Lance can do. He needs like a reset, doesn't he? Um, at the moment it's just not not happening for him and as you say Ben, that's a lot of work for that car to be turned around tomorrow like I'd be surprised even if the chassis survived properly so we'll see see if he even makes it into the race but um have a lot of work for his mechanics to do.
2: indeed indeed um more quality chat right after this. Okay, before the break, we spoke about uh, Lance Stroll's crash. And apart from Lance Stroll himself, obviously, the other person that it really seemed to disadvantage was Oscar Piastri, who's going to have to try and make his way um, from... Did he end up 17th? I can't remember exactly. I think so, yeah. 17th it was, yeah. Um, and of course, Lando Norris securing a Q3 spot and will start um, from fourth place, second row of the grid. So, contrasting fortunes for the McLaren duo. Sam... Looking at both of them, what do you expect from them tomorrow?
1: I think, firstly, to point out, incredibly unlucky for Oscar Piastri, but this is why you need to get your lapping the first time around. It's why you have to position yourself properly on these outlaps and through the session because red flags happen. You know, crashes happen, especially at street circuits. At street circuits, you have to be aware. And, you know, when it comes down to it and you make that mistake, you get punished for it. And as much as I think Piastri more than had the pace to be in Q3 today you have to ensure that you're in the right place at the right time. And yes, he was quite literally the next car to come round the corner when Lance Stroll put it in the wall. But whether you're the next car or you're the 10th car, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. and He needed to be maybe first out of that door because he knew that he wasn't in a comfortable position. Um, I think the real positive for McLaren here is all the upgrades that are being applied to Lando Norris's car are clearly working. It's clearly another good step forward for McLaren. They very comfortably feel like with that car now that they are a regular, not just Q3 appearance car, they're a regular top four, top five car now. They can be easily fighting for podiums, fourth, fifth place, on most Grand Prix that we have, most different racetracks that we have here. So I think the saving grace for them is... Norris has the upgrades and can maybe do something very exciting when it comes to the race tomorrow. Whereas I think if it was Piastri that had the upgrades and not Norris and he went out in P17, that's a huge disappointment. You're not going to be able to see the full potential of those. So if it was to happen to either, it happens to Piastri and that's okay. But I'm I'm sure that realistically they'll evaluate this and go, Next time that we're in trouble, you get the car out as soon as possible. We saw it with Verstappen. Can't remember if it was Monza or maybe uh, Belgium, but one of them had a, a bit of a dodgy first run and there was a problem. And instead of waiting right until the last run, they went out with about four or five minutes to go and they just did the lap again immediately. They went, no, we're not waiting around for the end of this session. Just do the lap again and make sure we're safe. And it worked for them. No risks, no problems, and they were through. They should have done the same here for piastri especially at a track as high risk as Singapore.
2: Yeah, obviously it's cost Oscar Piastri, it very nearly cost Lewis Hamilton as well. He was in danger at the sort of closing end of, of Q1. Um, and, and look, if it takes Q3 as an example. You had the two Haas drivers. They got out there incredibly early. Now, obviously, we didn't have any yellow or red flags towards the end of Q3. But if we had, Kevin Magnussen provisionally qualified fourth if a red flag follows there, suddenly Haas are on the second row of the grid. Now he's still qualified P6, and we'll get onto that in a moment because that's a highly impressive effort from the team. But that just goes to show that getting out there early, it can have its benefits. And I agree with your point that when it does come to, there's a reason that you get two or three runs in these qualifying sessions. And that is to, and they all count. And ultimately, every team knows red flags do happen at the end of sessions, and that's why that's why they don't do one run. That's that's why they don't just leave it for the last two minutes and save some tires. They have to go out there and make sure that those bank collapse are in for anything that might happen afterwards, because it quite often does. So I, I think Oscar Piastri certainly unlucky. Don't get me wrong, but you know it, it, it happens. That sort of thing does happen, and as you say, Sam, particularly at a circuit like Singapore, from Piastri's perspective if he can find his way back into the points, I think he's added himself a good Sunday afternoon. I, I'm i struggling to see how he will be, advance much beyond 10th. I know that there are signs that the tyre degradation might be higher than expected at this circuit, which Piastri should be hoping for because the more two stops that can happen, the better, I think. Um, but even with the track changes this year, overtaking is still going to be very difficult. So the back end of the points might be the optimum for him Lando Norris certainly if he can hold down his his starting position the Ferraris might have too much for him potentially same with George Russell as well but if he can stay in and around that last podium spot I think they can probably consider that a good race weekend after a couple of trickier results for McLaren Harry your fault your thoughts on their contrasting fortunes my fault (laughs) your fault
0: it probably is Is your fault fault? to be honest mate (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. It's a real shame for Piastri. Um, just unlucky because I, I think Piastri was. I know Norris got the upgrade, but he and had the advantage in terms of pace. But I thought Piastri wasn't that far behind, given that he had the oldest spec car. So a shame for him, um, as you say, Sam. Probably in terms of McLaren, that's the right one that got knocked out. If anyone had to get knocked out, um, and yeah, I, it's going to be a tough afternoon. Or evening for uh for Piastri tomorrow I think he might be able to scramble a point I mean we think we uh assume the two Haas will end up at the back of the grid again by the end of the race so there's two gone there already um so you count them out uh, but yeah so Pi- Piastri might scrape a point but yes yeah, it's, a, it's a difficult one but you know the fact that Norris is that far up will give him at least encouragement for Suzuka when he gets the upgrades too
2: Um, we've already referenced Liam Lawson a little bit. Of course, everyone knew going into this race weekend that only one of the four Red Bull drivers were going to make it through to Q3. And everyone knew that that was going to be Liam Lawson, of course. (laughs) Um, not, not even in a seat a couple of races ago. And here he is knocking Max Verstappen out of Q3. Sam, this specific incident, how much does that do
1: for his chances of a 2024 seat? Any good PR for Liam Lawson is, you know, potentially career building, it's career saving. You know, this this might be, remember, the only time he ever gets to drive a Formula One car. In theory, you know, Daniel Ricciardo could come back for, for Japan, unlikely, but possible. And that could be it. They might go, yeah, we appreciate your service. You do a good job. We'll see you later. Um, and he might be destined for a, a lifetime of racing other cars. But where you hear headline stories like junior driver in third qualifying session knocks out multiple-time world champion of the Big Brother team, then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, that wasn't Yuki Tsunoda, that wasn't Daniel Ricciardo, it wasn't even Nick DeVries, who had half a season under his belt, you know? This was Liam Lawson, who three races ago was scrambling to stay alive around a very, very chaotic Zandvoort GP, and every single weekend since then, He's elevated himself again, and he's done it again. And this weekend, he's turned up at Singapore, one of the most demanding Grand Prix you can ever come to. He's never raced here before, and he's done it again. Yuki Tsunoda, I've got to feel sorry for, because I think that, again, he was very much a little bit unlucky with how situations um, unfolded. And, I've saw, of course, we saw him P1 going from Q1 to Q2. But um, that doesn't mean anything. When, uh, you know, when it comes to Q3 crunch time, there's only one car that makes it through and it isn't him. Liam Lawson delivered. He was calm. He stayed out of trouble. The AlphaTauri upgrades are working. doesn't matter if they're working. You're not utilizing them because he is. He is really making the most of it. And that is a brilliant Q3 appearance in his only third qualifying session. So I, if I'm Alpha AlphaTauri right now, I put Liam Lawson in that seat next season. I do genuinely think that he's got the age behind him as well. He's a Red Bull, you know, young driver that's been around a long time. And he has impressed me week on, week on. I am very, very pleased with what he's been able to do.
2: Harry, your thoughts on Liam Lawson's chances of a seat next season, just based on how much he can hang his hat on this? It's not going to do him any harm, is it? Um great point, that. It, it is, That like,
0: I... I wouldn't necessarily just give him a seat right away after today but having said that today was very impressive and as I say helps his helps his case massively um Sonoda I feel for because he I think he had a slight edge over Lawson and I I don't know why Sonoda didn't do his final run he never made it I guess he just uh, abandoned it
2: I think he he had an error in the back end of the second second possibly okay because he Um, he was looking I think done two sectors and I think he was looking pretty good I think it was in the third yeah. sector maybe that he had his incident
0: yeah which is down to Sonoda but he obviously was uh, blocked by Verstappen uh, in the earlier part of that session which you know at this rate anyone could end up on pole with the amount of penalties we're going to look at but anyway um but yes Lawson very very impressive and it's gonna get it's giving the Red Bull and management, AlphaTauri management, a bit of a bit of a head scratcher as to what they do for do for next year because Lawson is looking very good so far. Very good, good problem
1: to have. Good problem to have. Very
0: good problem to have. Very good problem.
2: Did you also see that when they were referencing rookie drivers and putting a rookie driver in their car this year, they were looking towards the likes of Jake Dennis? And you just think, uh, uh, Jake Dennis and Isaac Hadja, and you think how many different F2 draw like Iwasa and and Hauger, um that might end up on the sideline because they've got so much to choose from. Um,
1: yeah, so at least I'd, six drivers.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Um, certainly from Liam Lawson's perspective, as you say, it will do absolutely no harm whatsoever. And just, the achievement is great, but I almost feel like the statement of the achievement is even better because it is to say... I knocked out Max Verstappen in Q2 at the Singapore Grand Prix, which is a difficult circuit. And Verstappen's pretty good at the F1. So, you know, you put all that together, that's a pretty good statement to be able to make your case for a seat next season. Certainly, I think Yuki Tsunoda had maybe a couple of attempts on Liam Lawson, but around Singapore in your third race, I think that's respectable enough. Um, even if you can say Yuki Tsunoda's two temps faster, I think that's that that's good enough for Liam Lawson at this point. Um, and certainly he's letting other drivers around him make the errors, which is kind of what you need to do when you're not at one with the car. And that's not a shot at Liam Lawson. That's just any reserve driver who comes into that sort of seat. You almost make other drivers around you have the mistakes and have the errors and you'd capitalize on that. Even if you're not able to display lightning pace, if others are, are falling by the wayside around you, that will benefit you. So... I, I'm respecting what he's been able to do this season. I'm excited to see what he can do in the race. Certainly, I think points are an option. Um, and yeah, that Tauri seems to be going pretty well here. So yeah, I, I think he has certainly helped his chances. I don't think it's a done deal at this point, but uh, yeah, a head scratcher for the team, as you say. There won't be the
1: um, many happy faces if he, he does the same thing again at the next Grand Prix. I'm sure Yuki Tsunoda will be hoping for different fortunes.
2: Indeed. Um, let's move on. Last topic for today. We need to give them some attention here because usually this season, Nico Hulkenberg has turned up in Q3. Today, Kevin Magnussen thought, ah, you know what? I might join you. I might enjoy <laughs> that. And he did enjoy that. He's qualified P6. So two Haas cars in the top 10. Sam, I know you like to, Unite like to rib
1: on them, but that's, that's pretty good going, right? This is where Aston Martin would have expected both their cars to be sat. I think if you were to pick up the Haas guys, throw them out the way and insert Alonso and stroll, they have gone, yeah, pretty good. We're happy with that. Um, I reckon Kevin Magnusson has been sitting there asleep and then he's heard that the the qualifying head-to-head might end if he doesn't beat Nico Hulkenberg at Singapore. and He's gone, right, the comeback song, is it? And he's just going to now power through for the rest of the season. He just likes a challenge as his, uh, his box office. Um Brazil this is fantastic. Pole. Yeah, exactly. Every single race now is just going to be like pole position. Easy, easy game. Um, this is this is exactly what I need. The The big question is, can the car actually carry through the speed? Can it maintain the tyre ability? Because it's all well and good with your cars being, what, sixth and eighth or whatever it is that they are. But if it comes to lap 10 and you're suddenly both cars are 12th and 14th and then come lap 30, both your cars are 16th and 18th, and it's not because there's a problem, it's not because you've you know had a, a a crash with someone else, it's just because the car cannot actually drive like a Formula 1 car is fundamentally meant to, then what's the point in it? So, well done to them. I'm, I'm very pleased to see them both in Q3. It was really cool to see both Haas in Q3 and not the Red Bull team, actually. What a juxtaposition that was. I just hope it turns into something tomorrow and we get onto the, the review and we go... Both half-drivers have scored points. That's a bold prediction we should have said. Um, I really am praying for them that that's the case.
2: You know, we should have seen this coming because, as we all know, Kevin Magnussen is the goat at Singapore. Holds the fastest lap record. Um... Of course, that is probably going to be broken on Sunday because it's a brand new configuration and we're knocking seconds off that time. Magnussen's like, no, I like this record. <laughs> I want to keep it. He's still going to have the record by the end of tomorrow. Guaranteed. Um, what a great effort from him. Um, and indeed, both hash drivers to get it into Q3. It, it, we've seen it a few times. Well, say we have seen it a few times. We've seen it all season long that qualifying pace doesn't really result in race finishes. So... You know, it remains to be seen exactly what they can do. I will consider myself a sceptic until they actually deliver something on a Sunday and don't free fall down to 17th place after five laps. I am really excited for Max Verstappen to be stuck behind Nico Hülkenberg for like 50 laps tomorrow. Um, But yeah, it's. I, I think you've got to respect what they were able to do. Certainly if you look at Alfa Romeo's performance and they really struggled, of course, Bottas and Joe out in Q1 pretty comfortably. I think that points to it not necessarily just being a pure power unit thing as well. Like we have seen a few occasions this year. Um, Spain is the one that springs to mind where Nika Hulkenberg's done a very good job in qualifying, but the Alfa Romeos have been quick on the same weekend, which makes you think, you know, the Ferrari pool of of drivers are doing pretty well. It might be related to that here. Alfa Romeo are a long way off and Haas are doing pretty well, which kind of points to maybe they've got something right car wise this, uh, this weekend It's like it's not a racetrack you typically associate with Haas either. So, you know, it's all, you only get points on Sunday is the old adage, but a good result for them today. Harry.
0: Yeah. The imposters have stopped imposting.
1: Uh, let's possible, get ahead of ourselves
0: <laughs> 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 at least for Saturday they have um, you're right holkenberg has been doing this all season um, but yeah very timely for K-Mag to also be up there glad he's woken up it's good to see um, yeah it remains to be seen whether they can actually actually turn us around into some points but a huge opportunity for them to gain some ground because Williams are, are down in the you know bottom half of the midfield so are, uh so are alfred may as you already referenced ben so they've got to be hoping they can somehow make their tires work um which again remains to be seen so we'll, we'll see if that that happens it's it's like classic lb that we said in the preview that ferrari and Haas will probably be fighting it out down in 18th and 19th and 20th <laughs> by lap 10 they will be mate. there's still time Wow. Well, yeah true but for now, all four of them are in the top 10. So well done, us.
1: I'll tell you what, though. What the one team we, we haven't mentioned on this show, and there is only one team, is Alpine. And after their appalling performance at Monza, I think they'll be looking at someone like Haas and going, wait, we can't go a straight line very well. But at the same time, why can't we get into both cars into Q3 properly on a track that doesn't require a lot of straight line speed? I think they probably will be wanting more coming out of here.
2: Look, no, you try and run a team with three people in it and see how well it goes. One of them's a dog. Hey, Rusty does a good job out there. He's trying his best.
0: One of them's Jeremy Clarkson. They've hired him.
2: Just a fat man with a beer. Right, uh, that's going to do it. Frankly. I am psyched for tomorrow. I am properly woo-hoo! pumped for this Grand Prix tomorrow. Um, and Sam, of course, will be back with the review of that one.
1: We will be back with a review of that one. We're gonna be here immediately. So let's hope that there isn't another three-hour delay in what might happen with stewarding afterwards. Um keep up with us for the whole weekend on Late Breaking F1 on all social medias, and we'll of course be in the Discord as well, talking the whole way through the race. So if you're enjoying it, maybe you sat alone at home and you think, I'd like some friends. Or maybe you come from an area where Formula One's still growing. Oh, no, and- <laughs> oh, yeah. hey, might be <laughs> No, maybe no you're reason. a loser don't join us <laughs> the reason we're friends is because of Formula 1 <laughs> we're losers so it's okay um, you know like join the Discord link is in the description uh, and we will be back for Sunday and then again we'll be back midweek for another F1 chat as we are every single Sunday and every single Wednesday hope you enjoy it thanks for sticking around and we will see you tomorrow in the meantime I've been Samson <laughs> I've
2: been Ben Hocking and I've been Harry Eats. and remember keep breaking late